This is Charlotte Donlin, and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at charlottedonlin.com. Times and those meanings can shift based on circumstances and seasons of life. Another aspect of the complexities of loneliness is that there are different types of loneliness. I didn't get very many responses to the online anonymous survey for this episode on specific types of loneliness that people have experienced. So I'd love to hear your thoughts after listening to this episode. Let me know if anything comes to mind regarding your seasons of loneliness and the specific language you might be able to apply to the types of loneliness you've experienced. A report I found on the National Institute of Health's National Library of Medicine website provides some really helpful information about loneliness. In Loneliness, Clinical Import and Interventions, several researchers review assessments of loneliness and build on a meta-analysis to discuss um, how efficient various treatments would be for loneliness. I'll link to this report in the show notes for this episode. So in this report, the researchers include various types of loneliness. They say loneliness is complex. See, I was right about that. And they say it includes three related facets or dimensions. The first is intimate loneliness, or what some call emotional loneliness, and it refers to perceived absence of a significant someone like a spouse who can provide emotional support during a crisis. The second is relational loneliness, and it refers to the perceived absence of quality friendships or family connections from what some call the sympathy group. And the third is collective loneliness that refers to the perceived absence of identities such as groups, schools, teams, or a national identity. And um, these are all places where an individual can connect to similar others at a distance in a collective space. So intimate loneliness relates to the closest space surrounding us. Relational loneliness relates to the space where we feel comfortable interacting with family and acquaintances. And collective loneliness relates to the public space from a more anonymous level. While I appreciate the scientific take on the kinds of loneliness one may experience, I think it misses a type of loneliness that I think Christians and maybe even non-Christians may experience. Some who... um, or some will experience this on deeper levels than others. And this loneliness is what Dr. Tom Varney calls core loneliness. This is one type of loneliness that I definitely struggle with a good amount. It's not simply aloneness or feelings of rejection. Varney says, This kind of loneliness is more basic, more fundamental to our existence as human beings, and it is seldom discussed or even acknowledged. He describes it as the type of loneliness that lingers, even while we enjoy meaningful relationships with God and others. He says it is inevitable and a result of the fall. He even says core loneliness is necessary because it makes us long for eternity when God will wipe away every tear and welcome us into perfect fellowship with Him. When I asked my former therapist and friend, Dr. Gordon Bowles, about loneliness, he pointed out Proverbs 14.10 to me, and it seems to validate Dr. Varney's views on core loneliness. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can fully share its joy. And Dr. Wells added this quote from Henry Nouwen that says, The Christian life does not take away loneliness. It protects it and cherishes it as a precious gift. Sometimes it seems as if we do everything possible to avoid the painful confrontation with our basic human loneliness 
and allow ourselves to be trapped by false gods promising immediate satisfaction and quick relief. But perhaps the painful awareness of of loneliness might be a gift we must protect and guard because our loneliness reveals to us an inner emptiness that can be destructive when misunderstood, but filled with promise for him who can tolerate its sweet pain. All right, I think the idea of loneliness as a gift is interesting, and I definitely want to explore that more in a future episode. But with regard to types of loneliness, I think it's helpful to get even more specific about the different forms of loneliness people experience. When I ask the question, can you discern different types of loneliness that you experience on the survey for this episode, um, these are some of the responses I received. When I was carrying a tremendous burden that I thought was unique to me, when I felt diminished because of the little amount of work I had done in the realm of my workplace, when I messed up bad with family and friends, feeling like no one could understand what I was going through, and when I was a young mom and thought everyone else was getting to do things and go places that I could not. Also, another type of loneliness that's more specific is The loneliness of a mother with small children whose husband works all the time in order to provide for us. That work had taken us to a new city. I had no friends. The town was small and hard to break into the inner circles. And here are some types of loneliness that I've felt before. Aloneness, isolation from people who understand me, longing for a place I can't be at right now, longing for a loved one who has died or gone away, and feeling very different from other people in my circles. I wrote an essay for Mockingbird at Ember.com called All the Lonely People. And in that essay, I include additional specific examples of lonely people, (laughs) hence all the lonely people. Um, And here is that list from that essay. A mom who doesn't feel any freedom to be honest about how difficult motherhood is for her. A college freshman who turns to boys and alcohol because she knows she's too much, because she knows she'll never be enough. A man who is interviewing for a new job, hoping this will be the one that will make success a possibility. A woman who has a secret she will never share. A child who was told her role was to be seen and not heard. A patient in an inpatient psychiatric facility who knows she needs to be there. A husband and wife who live separate lives in the same house who rarely have meaningful conversations, and who have both committed adultery. They found no satisfaction or comfort in those relationships either, only more shame and sadness. A woman sitting alone at church who hasn't spoken to anyone in person since she passed the peace the previous Sunday. A new bride who wonders why her marriage and husband haven't satisfied her soul the way she anticipated. A retired widower who misses his wife, who has no other family in town, whose main interactions are with his physicians and his pharmacist. A boy whose teacher yells at his class multiple times every day. She reminds him of his mama, but his mama died of cancer three years ago. He doesn't remember her yelling at him, although he's sure she did on occasion. He wishes he could remember her. A man who has eaten dinner alone every night for the past two weeks. He longs to be married but suffers from anxiety and depression and doesn't believe anyone could ever love him. A woman who has everything she could ever want. A loving husband and children, dear friends, a comfortable home, a fulfilling job. But she can't shake the deep sense of loneliness that lingers. A pastor of a church who is having an affair with the wife of one of his elders. He planted his church so people would have a safe place to fall apart, but he never thought it was because he needed a safe place to fall apart. 
right? Everything I've just listed is just a fraction of what I could list. A full list would be never ending. So now that we've come face to face with the types of loneliness that we may experience, what do we do? I wish I had answers that I knew would make everything better for everyone. But the best advice I can give right now is to spend some time examining your loneliness, either present or in the past. Spend some time exploring what triggers your loneliness. Spend some time talking about your loneliness with someone you trust. We don't necessarily have to solve the problem of loneliness for our suffering to improve. If we are all unique, no one will ever fully understand us anyway, so we might as well accept that we might always struggle with loneliness in some degree on some level. That's not an easy thing to accept, but doing so has helped me experience more freedom from the pressure of loneliness. It's also helped me to know that God meets me in my loneliness. He will never abandon me. And it's a good idea to reach out to someone and plan a time to hang out, even if you don't want to talk about your loneliness with each other. Here's something hopeful that one survey responder had to say. Loneliness sometimes is a creation of our own thoughts. Sometimes they are not true. It is so important that we recognize that. Many times I was sitting in loneliness, not realizing so many others were doing the same. Having the courage to reach out to others changed everything. I think that once I rested my soul in God's arms and believed that He would do the work, I didn't have to be afraid of stretching out my hand in the darkness to reach others. I think that's a really beautiful, hopeful take on loneliness. And while it might not be true for everyone, I think it helps us understand how others... Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.